Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. LHR. Hello, everyone. It's episode 209 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. That's www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media and Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the Patriots Beat podcast one of the very best and most respected, and I say that in all sincerity, Tom E. Curran, Tom E. Curran of NBC, Boss, uh, NBC Sports Boston, uh, formerly uh, CSNE.com. But I guess, Tom, you guys are getting rid of that moniker and you're just going to be NBC Sports Boston, right? Exactly right. They're going to shed that. It'll be official in October. Um, we're going to have a new gear. They'll slide some new T-shirts with the logos. The golf shirts, and then the next thing you know, probably so well outfitted you won't even know what to do. Yeah, and and you guys have the best uh, winter parkas I have ever seen in sports broadcasting. By the way, I'm just a little bit jealous, but um, well, they give us a new one every year too. So what ends up happening is the previous years, and now all the ones that say Comcast on them, they go right into the St. Vincent de Paul thing. So you end up seeing folks who maybe are a little bit down on their luck wearing those nice Comcast parkas. Uh, in the winter. That is not a bad thing, keeping people warm uh, in and around New England and other parts uh, of the country, no doubt. Uh, Tom, uh, obviously you uh, are the author of a uh, book that comes out on October 24th. It's Relentless, a Memoir. It is the Julian Edelman story. It's from Hatchet Publishing. Uh, You tweet uh, on your Twitter homepage, Julian Edelman openly details every step on his road from underdog the two-time Super Bowl champion, the uh, publisher, Tom, I'm sure you're aware of this and, and you've read this, Relentless is the story of Edelman's rise and the continuing dominance of the Patriot dynasty filled with memories of growing up with a father who was demanding as any NFL coach and his near constant fight to keep his intensity and competitiveness in check, both in high school and college, and his celebrated nine season with the Patriots. Okay, Tom, let's get right to the book. Um, obviously the timing of this is pretty uncanny and sadly ironic given the events of last Friday night in Detroit. Why did you choose Julian Edelman uh, as a subject for this book? Well, you know what? I'll be honest. 
he chose me and the publisher chose him. Uh, hmm. The way it worked was the publisher, Hatchet Publishing, and Mauro uh, DePretta, who had worked on a number of books with Michael Hawley uh, from WEDI and CSN, um, he reached out to Michael about doing a book on Julian because of you know, what Julian had done in the past two Super Bowls and kind of the underdog story behind him, not really knowing the full extent of Julian's underdog story. So he then, uh, Michael said, you know what, I'm, I'm actually in a position where I don't want to do another book at this time. I just did two. Right. But I'll put you in touch with someone who might be interested. So Morrow got in touch with me. They went through a period of time talking to Julian and his representatives. And when the time came for them to, to decide who was going to write the book, uh, Julian picked me. So that's how that all worked. And we spent, I'll tell you this, it's, you mentioned me as the author, but I am very much the collaborator, Drags, because Julian busted his ass on this. We probably we, spent about 40 hours on the phone or in person um, doing interviews. And everything that is in that book, um, I tried to maintain his voice throughout. I mean, obviously, it's, a, it's an as-told-to. I collaborated with him on it. Right. But it's awfully, it's it's as much true to his voice um, as it could be. It's his story, and I was just the conduit. So, I, I mean, it sounds like to me, Tommy, that... He approached this book the way he approaches football. I mean, everything you've heard, uh, you know, well, first of all, over the, his nine seasons in New England from Bill Belichick to everybody on the staff as he's one of the hardest workers uh, on the team. Even Tom uh, Brady says that as well. It seems like he takes that approach, whether he's, you know, preparing for the Steelers in the AFC Championship or he's telling his memoir. Yeah, he has a very specific and particular way of doing things. And he wants it done that way. And his dad was the same way. And that, I think, is what's so interesting about the book. Is his dad, Frank, really grew up practically as a feral child in San Francisco, a Redwood City area, which is where Julian lives. His mom, Frank's mom, um, moved from Oklahoma with her three children from a previous marriage to Redwood City, California. Those three children were all deaf. So those three children needed a place where they would not be institutionalized in the 40s. That place was Redwood City. Um, she found them and placed them in a school out there. Meanwhile, after she had moved out there, she uh, met a man and um, had a relationship with a John Edelman. She had Frank with John Edelman. Um, she and John did not spend a lot of time together. Uh, they did not have a long-term relationship. John actually died a couple of years later. Uh, so Frank never knew his dad, um, and his, his mom was a very hardworking woman. She wasn't in the, the family. She was out. She went to a lot of bars, spent just some time in the, you know, around the bar scene in the city. So Frank basically raised himself. But Frank developed this ridiculous level of discipline when he was a young kid because he had to take care of himself. And he instilled all that in Julian and became the father figure to Julian and the disciplinarian structure that Julian never had, excuse me, that Frank never had in his own life. So that's why he was so strict, strident, demanding. Um, Frank himself says that, you know, there, there's points at which he felt he, he took it over the line. And you can read all about that in the book because I talked to Frank extensively as well. 
what can you tell us, Tom, about the backstory about the catch in Super Bowl 51 without getting in trouble with the publisher? Tease us, if you will. Sure. You know, on that play, Julian had had a drop early in the second half on the Patriots' first drive. He had had a good punt return, the Patriots had had a three and out, and then he had a drop. And at that juncture, he really was uh, feeling as if he, he was letting the team down. And he said, you know, somebody has to make a play. And he hadn't really contributed anything. On that particular play, um, from his vantage point, he felt that he did a crappy job with the route. You know, he had beaten uh, his man off the line. But at the top of the route, he got banged when he was supposed to roll it in. He knew that the ball was coming to him. Right. But he got banged. And I talked to Tom Brady about this as well. And his voice is in the book on the play. You know, Brady said that that's a route that Rob Gronkowski runs. And because of his great length, you're able to throw it in a particular spot. And you can go real high with it. And Gronk will still come down with it. With Julian, you kind of have to fit it in. And you have to hope that the corner doesn't turn around. Well, the corner in this instance did turn around. And as a result, got his hand on the ball. So the worst-case scenario was unfolding. Julian got bumped off the route. He turned corner did and saw the ball coming and Brady and Julian both said, well it's a podcast so I'm sure we can say it, oh shit yeah. this is not going the way we want it to so they both understood that that was it you know, that's, this is what the season lies on we make this play or it's a pick and he was out number 3 or 1 and he usually, he actually used that play as you know, illustrative of, of his career and where he's come from, you know, the odds were against him, and he found a way to make it happen by not giving up on it before the end. So that's why I thought the play was something that Julian did as well, something to build the beginning of the book around. Okay, let's fast forward to last Friday night, uh, Tom, uh, at uh-huh. Ford Field uh, in Detroit. Um, on Tuesday, he tweeted his thanks to his fans and his commitment to coming back stronger than ever. Tough times don't last, people do, etc. You know, we know, we all saw uh, what he tweeted out and what he posted on social media. You're a journalist, Tom. You're also a human being. When you're watching that game last Friday night, and he's had those two catches pri- uh, previous, and on the third catch, he makes that cut at the Lions' 18-yard line, and then you see him limp off. You're a journalist, you're a human being. What goes through your mind there, right, right then and there, Tom? I just felt really, really, really badly for him. As a journalist, you're not supposed to, but the time that I've spent with him over the last few months, I just felt really, really badly for him because I know how hard he worked this summer and how much he had gone through in 2016. Yeah, and this was news to me, and you'll see in the book, he went through a massive personal crisis last year because of um, his personal life in which uh, he fathered a child and circumstances surrounding that, which, which he details in the book, um, how it wasn't the way he would have drawn it up. His, his daughter, Lily, is his pride and joy, but it was a difficult time. Additionally, he had to go through multiple surgeries on his foot, and he had already had multiple surgeries on his other foot. So he wasn't sure where his future lied at that point, um, if he would ever get back to where he was. He's a warrior by nature, and he went through a lot in 2016. This offseason 
you know, a lot of things had come together well for him. He hadn't had anything to deal with physically for the first time in a long time. Um, and, you know, he was in a position with a team that most people figure is could be one of the best teams of all time. And now as he lifts off the field, he's a 30-plus-year-old receiver who's just blown out an ACL at the age of 31 and won't be a part of this team that he's been a leader for since 2013. And it's another injury on top of the one that he suffered in 13, on top of the one that he suffered in 15, on top of the one that he suffered in 12, and it's just really tough for the kid. All right, that's Relentless, a memoir. Comes out, Tom, I believe, October 24th, correct? Yes, sir. Hatchet Publishing, uh, how can they uh, pre-order this? You can pre-order that on Amazon. So we'd be happy to have you do that. And Julian has also uh, signed a number of books this week for Barnes & Noble. I believe he signed 1,000 books uh, this week. And we'll also be doing some, some work together on promotional events. That'll come to pass. I'm, I'm, your, uh, I'm a virgin uh, author, so I don't really know exactly how it all works together, track. But uh, let, me, let me turn the tables a little bit. Yeah. I've covered this team for a long time. What's your impression of the impact that Edelman's loss will have on this Patriots team? I think, uh, I think it's being undersold a little bit. I think it is also, Tom, for this singular reason. There are so many assets on offense, especially in the receiving game, with the addition of Brandon Cooks, with uh, Chris Hogan in his second year, clearly much more comfortable. Um, What I tell people all the time is, when the chips are down, when it's third and six, third and seven, and Tom Brady looks uh, over the middle for a guy to get open and throws to a spot and not a receiver, who's going to be there? And that's where I think... And that's where I think uh, Tom is unsure, and he's told you that, and and he's told a lot of other people that as well. But I know he's told you that, Tom, that the trust thing is the biggest deal. And I think with Julian, it was inherently there over nine seasons. Certainly with Gronk, it's there. I don't think there's any questioning that. But Gronk's a different kind of uh, you know beast, obviously, pun intended. And, you know, you're going to get a lot different defense on Gronk than you would Julian Edelman. And uh, I'll tell you what else about Gronk is interesting on Gronk. Yep. There are routes that you cannot throw him at certain points during the season. Point blank. You can't beat the hell out of him in down the seam early in the year. You have to preserve Gronk. Correct. You can't put him in harm's way over and over and over again. Which is why and, he's going to the Brady know, diet, right, Tom? Yeah, and I'm fascinated to find out if his body becomes a little more pliable. Look, when he fell, when he falls in the past, he falls like a box of hammers. I mean, it's just like, it it looks painful. He's not a good faller. Well, that's what, hey, Tom, that's what happened against the the, the Texans in the playoffs, um, you know, when he broke the arm, and it's what happened to him last year against the Jets late in the seat, you know, in November, uh, when he fell uh, on a pattern, I believe it was a go pattern, uh, down the right sideline. He fell so hard, that's when he injured the back. And, you know, I think, you know, it's very hard for him to fall the right way and not get injured, and I think that's uh, problematic. I want to get into, uh, Tom, one more thing with you, but before we do, I have to do some business Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means 
FanDuel is back. FanDuel means fantasy football for everyday fans. It means new contests starting every week, no busted seasons. And there's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. So just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your team score in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com. Click the Join Now button and use my code PATRIOTSBEAT. Try FanDuel for free with no deposit required. Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using the promo code PATRIOTSBEAT. Void where prohibited. Okay, Tom, I've talked to you about this before, I think, in the past in the locker room when we were just bullshitting, and I'm going to ask it to you now. You're a writer first, right? And... Your your career was in covering the Patriots starting way back. How many years now? I think you and I started at the same time, 1997. Yep, indeed we did. And uh, you were at the Providence Journal, correct? I was at the Metro West Daily News oh. until 2002. That's right. And then after they won the Super Bowl, I went to uh, the Providence Journal for five years. All right. Did you ever envision your journalism career taking off into the direction it did, i.e. TV, becoming a TV star. Yeah. You are. Don't. No, 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 no. No, you, no it's, just, it's weird, Travis, because no, I guess I really didn't. I always wanted to do TV. I'll never forget when I was in high school, I once had a dream. Because I've always liked news. I've always liked sports. I've always liked watching the presentation of news. Right. And I remember I had a dream once in high school where I was sitting reading the news, like like I was freaking Frank Reynolds from ABC <laughs> back in the day. Yep. And I woke up, and I knew that I had done a news report, and I knew that all the words that I had used in that news report were appropriate, and it was well-written. I said, I have it in me to do news if I want to, to sit in front of the camera and talk to it. So that always freaked me out, because like, how could I do that? I don't know how to do news. But in my dream, I had. So I've always wanted So what gives you more pleasure? I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You do a perfect post-game stand-up with Mike Giardi, your your colleague, obviously, at uh, NBC Sports Boston, or writing a scoop story for the dot-com? Uh, writing a story. I, yeah. I think you feel the same way. I do. It's writing a story because you find something that nobody else knows. Now, you can still get that in a report on video. Um, but, you know, a scoop story is, is so electric because you know that no one else knows it. And other people are going to appropriate it and they're going to spin it forward. And that's the nature of the business. But when you get something that no one else has, we're storytellers by nature. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, cave drawings or smoke signals or 
using you know your phone we want to share hey guess what i just found out with other people and that i think is a huge part of it also the ability to make people laugh or think or write things you know bill simmons back when he was just starting out um and he was a digital city on aol you know i remember reading you know late 90s and the way I articulated what, what struck me about his writing at the time, the way what I thought was so good is he wrote things that I was just about to say, hmm. that I hadn't fully articulated, but already was a kernel in the back of my mind. And when you're able to relate to a writer like that, they're speaking from within your brain. It's like, oh, the phone, the calls are coming from within the house. That, to me, is, is somebody who's really tapped into something. And that's, you know, some people have said that I've written things that make them feel as if, oh, yeah, that exactly is how I feel. That is. I mean, to me, Tom, that is the essence of what we do is trying to tell a story that people will want to read and didn't know before. To me, that is, you know, the when when I talk to classes or what have you, and, and you and I have both done this, when we talk to classes, we try to get them to uh, students to understand, hey, look, you have a voice. Try to use that voice in a unique way. And, you know, to me, that's the beauty of sports writing. And I think, unfortunately, and the point I'm getting at here, Tom, is we're living in an aggregating culture. You and I both know this. Everybody is reporting everybody else's story. And I understand that part of the business. I get it. And it's, you know, partly forced by on us by social media. But I still think, you know, to me the best part of sports journalism is telling that story that nobody else can tell. And to me, that's just, I think you do a fabulous job of that. You always have, you have a great voice uh, in your writing. And, you know, to me, that's one reason that you're one of the very best uh, in the business. That being said, I want, (laughs) I want to get your um, opinion on this season, on this Patriots season. Everybody has this team going to Minnesota a fait accompli, it's a done deal. Are you in that boat that this is um, barring something completely unforeseen, i.e. TB12 going down? Do you see them heading to Minnesota? I do. Um, and first, thank you for all the kind words. You and I have worked together for a long time, and I don't think I can think of a single person who works harder on all platforms than you do. I just uh, remarkable work ethic. And, uh, you know, I've known you for a long time, and I don't know if the folks out there you know, certainly don't necessarily know you, but the commitment that you make in all different facets, whether it be to the work or to your girls, it's, it's, it's laudable. So, you know, the person that is doing this podcast that people are listening to gives a shit about his craft to the nth degree. That's very the kind, Patriots Tom. 2017, look, I thought there's nobody else close to them. There is no, there's no David Duval to their Tiger Woods. There is no Nicholas to their Palmer. There is no Hearns to their Hagler. You name it. There is no pretender that rises to their level. No. So, and I think the Duval Woods thing is a pretty good one because if you remember back then, Duval could go off, but he was not as consistently great as Tiger was. But at least you had to be wary of him if you were Tiger Woods. There's no one like that right now. The Steelers are a mirage. Write that down. They are a friggin' mirage. 
they're not a good team, and they're not going to have a good season. The Colts are gone. The Ravens have a sick defense, but I don't know how they're going to score. Um, the Raiders have Jack Del Rio as head coach. They've never won a playoff game with Derek Carr, obviously. They were snake bit, but still, I'm not buying on them. So the Patriots have no real competition in the AFC. You know what, Tom? However, I'm going to cut you off right what? there. I think their biggest challenge in the AFC might be opening night. KC? Yeah. I do. I think I think they are the team that is positioned the best, if you believe in Alex Smith, to make a run at the Patriots. See, I don't disbelieve in Alex Smith as a quarterback. I just think that the notion of protecting the ball that he holds dear, and I think is incredibly important to NFL success, you have to mix in a little bit, a little bit of, okay, now it's time. I have to, you know, release the hounds. I mean, Brady does that. When Brady, I'd love to see Brady's numbers in terms of interceptions while trailing over the course of his career. I mean, he's basically four to one touchdown interception ratio anyway. But I would bet half of those interceptions come when you're trailing or in close games late, where you need to make something happen. You know, and Alex Smith, even when he needs to make something happen late, doesn't do it. So that's what I hold as a reservation about that team. Houston, look, I would bet, I, I don't think the Tom Savage sucks. I don't think he's the same level of disgrace as so many other guys who are wandering around under center in the NFL this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if Houston becomes a big pain in the ass either in 2017. But I still think the Patriots are the best team. What scares me if I'm a Patriots fan is the loss of Edelman. And the fact that when he was out in 2015, you saw this team go from 48% on third down all the way down to 32%. And you saw this team unable to, A, protect Tom Brady against the Denver Broncos because, B, nobody was uncovering down the field. They had Gronk in that game, but Edelman couldn't uncover because his foot still hurt. And yes, they've added Chris Hogan, and yes, they've added Brandon Cooks. But without Edelman, and without lockdown, sewn up protection, I think the Patriots could have, you know, some more difficult sledding than I anticipated before Julian Edelman got hurt. All right, that is Tom E. Kern of NBC Sports Boston. His book, uh, Julian Edelman's book, I'll, I'll correct myself here, Julian Edelman's book, <laughs> A Relentless, uh, Relentless, a memoir, as told to Tom E. Kern of NBC Sports Boston, comes out October 24th. Uh, it's available through Hatchet Publishing. Go out and get it. It's going to be a must-read. Tom, I'd like to thank you very much for taking time out uh, during an incredibly busy time for you as we get ready for the Patriots to wrap up their preseason and start the regular season. Thanks so much for joining us. You got it, buddy. It was a pleasure. Great job on the pod. Thank you, Tom. Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with the CLNS Media New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Izon and Mike Molyneux live after every single game on clnsmedia.com. Subscribe to both on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube now. Also get daily team updates on the Patriots Newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau, which is also available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show feed. Again, available on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, 
and the CLNS Media mobile app. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots Beat. I want to once again thank our guest Tom E. Curran from NBC Sports Boston. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom E. Curran. If you haven't already, where have you been? You can also give us a follow at, at Patriots underscore Beat and at CLNS Media, and you can give my own personal account a follow at Trags. Today's sponsors, we're happy to bring you uh, FanDuel, this podcast 209 on the CLNS Media Network. For Patriots content manager Mike Alonghi, CLNS Media executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher. And the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere.